Hello, hello. Coming at you live from Denver Airport. Hello, hello. What's up, Ishan? Hey. Hey, hey, uh, hey. Welcome, everyone, to JavaScript Jam. I don't know if yeah. I at the beginning. There was a... Woo! No, you didn't. We're about to go with the intro right now. Okay. Yeah, uh, buddy. <laughs> but but where where in the world is uh, Anthony San Diego right now? <laughs> where in the world is Anthony San Diego? Hey, I- I'm glad you guys. You never know. Get that joke. Um, but uh, so for those who don't know, Anthony almost didn't make it to to host today um, because of some uh, travel difficulties. I think you how how many hours were you on the tarmac? Uh, um, well, I was on the I was on the tarmac for I think about four hours, and then we had to switch planes, so it ended up about six or seven hours delayed flight. Oh my oh. gosh, it was brutal! And and because we had a connection, we were gonna miss our connection, so we had to get a voucher to then go to a hotel to stay overnight, and then get a shuttle back to the hotel so we could finish our flight today. Oh yeah. man. That's like the minimum they could do. Honestly, I feel like they should just be like, here's some free plane tickets for later. Yeah. Here's, here's another they're, they're buying my lunch too. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it looks like Mark might be struggling. Did, did anyone brief him on how to, how to do a space? Um, I, I did tell him that you should get on mobile uh, via, e- via email to, to them. So I sent it okay. to everybody. But yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, you can go ahead and do the intro, and yeah, he'll yeah, he'll Scott. make it up when he can. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you take it away? Sure, take it away. <laughs> Welcome, y'all, to JavaScript Jam Live. We do this every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you're here, you know the time. All right. So, thank you so much for joining us. We got several people here that uh, are uh, at a speaker. There you go. What's up, Deja? What's going on, bro? Uh, just giving an intro here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, whether you're a beginner or whether you're an advanced developer, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody, okay? Or whether you're just thinking about getting into things, okay? You're not even there yet. It doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. Why? Because that brings more value to everybody participating, listening here in the room and listening to the recording in the future. Typically, we have some really great conversations that come from people just coming up and, and, and doing that. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, facts, opinions, statements, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from you. But today we have a, a very special, exciting thing. We're going to be talking about React Rally. Yeah, it's back, we all. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. And we got a couple speakers there from React Rally. We got Chejas Kumar and Mark Erickson going to be joining us today to chit-chat about some fun stuff. And we got some spicy takes from Anthony. If you didn't get the newsletter, you need to be on it because it was spicy. This is my my magnum opus. (laughs) It's the longest one I've ever written by quite a lot. (laughs) It was good, though, y'all. Go to javascriptjam.com, sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out. And you know what we're going to be talking about typically on these Wednesdays as well. So, all right. And we got Mark in. Awesome. Fantastic. Please, I think I'm here. You are here. I hear you. 
Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, so... Your sweet Simpson-y voice. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm just introducing myself, and we'll go around the table here. Uh, as, as so. so my name is Scott Steinlogging. I'm a technical community manager here at Edgeo and co-host of this here podcast, JavaScript GM, Anthony Ishan. Yo, yo. I am a developer advocate at Edgeo. Super happy to have our speakers here. Big fans of both of them. Yeah, same here. I'm Ishan Nand, VP of product for the applications platform at Edgeo. That's uh, security, CDN, and, uh, you know, uh, Jamstack type hosting, if, if that word is still around, uh, is, is what we offer. It's dead. And You're not allowed to use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can talk about that maybe at some point uh, today. But uh, really excited to have the React, you know, rally speakers here. Um, hi, everyone. Awesome. Speakers, uh, who would like to go first? Either one, it doesn't matter. Sure. Hi, uh, I'm Mark Erickson. I am a senior front-end engineer at Replay, where we're building a time-traveling debugger for JavaScript applications. Uh, in my free time, I spend a lot of time answering questions about React and Redux. Hi, everyone. I'm Tejas Kumar, um, and I am... Uh, a developer advocate with a small consultancy um, called yell.dev. And I have the privilege of working with a number of different dev tools, developer-oriented companies, um, helping out with DevRel if and where we can. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful to be able to even say that I, Mark and I have worked together um, on some replay things um, in the past. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to be here and share um, in this conversation with everyone. Super exciting. Thank you so much for uh, introducing yourselves. Y'all, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Woo! Yeah! Give them some love. All right. Cool. Anthony, do you want to kick it off? Um, I mean, I just want to, like, first say, I want to take a second and, like, blow some smoke up both your butts because, like, I think you two are both, like, just really great community members. I've always seen you both out there just, like, doing DevRel right, I feel like. So I'd be kind of curious, like, what does DevRel mean to both of you? Mark, do you want to do you want to take this one first? I can try. Um, actually, it's it's really ironic because I I started working at Replay um, March of last year, and I had only been doing the job search thing for a couple months before that, and I'd said publicly I was looking for a new job, and I was very you know specific that I wanted I was looking for a full-time 100% developer role and someone actually contacted me and said you know we're, we're looking for a devrel position are you interested and I remember mentioning this on the on the side to some folks I'm like that is clearly not what I'm looking for why would anyone be suggesting that to me and they they messaged back and said Mark you've basically been doing devrel for redux for years I'm like oh Okay, that's that's an interesting. It's a shocking, I... shocking revelation to hear. I've I've known other people who've had a similar moment <laughs> before. Um, so I mean, in in that sense, like, I, I don't necessarily have a lot of feedback on on the term DevRel because it's not a term that I've I've normally applied to myself, even if that is kind of how you could actually classify what I've been doing. I guess my question would be then, what is it that you did, you think, that makes people see you as DevRel, if you even don't see yourself that way? 
So, I mean, I've, I've done a bunch of stuff, but I've thought of it more in terms of, of being a maintainer and trying to support the community, which, I mean, I guess is actually, a, you know, maybe a decent starting definition of DevRel. Um, I mean, there's the actual, actual maintainer work of working on the library, fixing bugs, adding new features, improving tests. There's writing lots and lots of documentation. Um, but then it's also about being very proactive and watching community discussions, seeing what kinds of questions people are asking, um, intentionally going to the places where people are asking questions, Reddit, Twitter, Stack Overflow, Issues, um, Discord, um, actively looking for and responding to those questions, and then getting a sense of what kind of problems people are running into and rolling that back into the library and trying to come up with, you know, APIs and documentation and, and whatnot that actually address those questions so that, you know, like we you know, things get handled ahead of time. Awesome. And then Tejas? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because Mark, what you mentioned you were doing on Redux was basically DevRel, right? Like it's, it's even I, I see that kind of as you mentioned it because that's to me what DevRel is. It's developer relations and being an open source maintainer is probably a very um, relational thing because you're you're dealing with people most of the time. You're dealing with issues that random people will open and say, "Hey, I'm having trouble with this." or hey, this doesn't work, or hey, this API confuses me. And then you've got to literally relationally engage and, and talk through, okay, do you have a reproduction? Do you have a replay? Can we, can we, you have to work with people. And and it's it's true, not just for maintainers, but in open source in general. So I feel like open source itself is very DevRel heavy. And I think a lot of us just don't see it that way. Um, and so to me, it's, it's, it's that, right? It's, it's developer relations it's having relationships with developers and ideally good ones um if you throw capitalism into the mix then it becomes develop having these relationships for the purpose of you know um, profit and increasing shareholder worth which sure that's that's a nuance but fundamentally i think at, at a baseline foundational level it's literally just having a relationship with developers of sorts and ideally that relationship is high quality and then you know um marketing and add-ons and all these things come on top of that but by and large it's just a relationship so i guess it, to some degree even this twitter space is is a devrel thing i'm talking to all of you developers and and what we're doing together is we're creating a relationship that is devrel um if specifically if i have a relationship with um, one of the listeners here whose name is dev that's like devrel square that's like dev devrel you know what i'm saying <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that, you know, both your answers were, were fairly different. But the great thing about DevRel is that it is kind of what you make it. I've seen, I've known so many people who do it so differently and prioritize different things. And there tends to be kind of like overlapping Venn diagrams of concerns that people have. They land somewhere differently. But um, yeah, go ahead, Tejas. Yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, um, to some people, DevRel. Um, is considered a grift, um, and I can I can kind of see how they would get there, um, and unfortunately this this is a consequence of the age of um, having having such wide reach um, available to us on platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn and so on, 
Um, I was talking to a very prominent member of the the web dev ecosystem, um, and I said, "Hey, can I get some feedback? I'm, I'm curious um, what you think of of me." And he was like, "Yeah, you give me grifter vibes." And I was like, "Whoa, okay, tell me more." Um, and there seems to be this conception that folks involved in DevRel are kind of just hype machines um, to to make something look cool and sexy. And I, I don't think that's what DevRel is because, like, it, it's kind of like having this uncle who always comes to you with like. You should invest in this new thing. You should invest in like a like giving you investment advice because it's sexy, right? That's I think not necessarily what Deborah is. Not saying hey, go invest here or invest there, um, but it's it's literally just relationships and high quality relationships. I think it may also be a a function of you know when it's an official position within an organization, uh, where it sits in the org and what KPIs it's it's held to. Um, it, it could be that, you know, that person, you know, in maybe held to a certain KPI or something like that. Where, where have you guys seen DevRel report to in the organization? My, my previous job was for a large bureaucratic corporation. So we, there was no DevRel involved whatsoever there. Um, and then re replay or you know pretty small startups there's not even much of an org per se it's in, in replay it's one discord channel that i used to keep <laughs> talking in um <laughs> that i don't know if it's still active or not um but um i've seen devrel um actually i've seen devrel come under multiple verticals or yep. or um business areas I, i've seen devrel be a function of sales which i think is a phenomenal mistake um, because hire a sales team because what you're doing then is you're creating these almost um, frankly manipulative relationships it's like okay I'll, I'll build a relationship with you so I can sell you something okay yep. I'll take you on a date so I can take you home the same night you know this kind of thing it's very it feels very shady to me but I've seen DevRel do that um, as in be under sales which I think is like personally I've seen DevRel come under the um, marketing vertical which fair um, some some see it as technical marketing um and i've also seen devrel come um under product which is i think is the case for open source projects right if, if we consider an open source library a product then devrel would kind of be a function of the other maintainer duties like mark mentioned on these quote-unquote products what, what one place i've seen devrel really shine is where it's not under a specific vertical for a business but it is a vertical itself um, such that marketing sales, graphic design, all report up to DevRel, where the, the, the most important thing is the relationship to developers who are also customers, and then everything kind of is funneled to it and ultimately through it uh, to, to customers. And I've seen that actually go really well um, in the past. It's just very rare. You'll almost never see this in the wild. And I keep asking myself why. Awesome. So do we want to start getting into the, well, actually we should talk about React Rally. What is yeah, React I Rally? To, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, real quick, uh, I mean, first of all, I would say, you know, React Rally is a community conference about React and topics interesting to React developers, focusing on friendly, kind of welcoming atmosphere, like a lot of conferences, right? But engaging talks from like new and established speakers and then like plenty of hallway track stuff, time to chat, with uh, interesting folks too. And there's plenty 
of speakers <clears throat> that are going to be there that you all probably know. Obviously, speaking of uh, Tejas and Mark, um, but several more like Ben Holmes and Monica Powell and Ken C. Dodds and just the list of, you know, goes on that y'all probably know. Um, anyway, with that being said, um, I would like to also say that React Rally did put a comment in here um, for 50% off for the first three people to use it. So <laughs> don't miss out on it. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a discount like that uh, anywhere else. So 50% off for the first three people if you are uh, listening to this. Um, and hey, if you're listening to the recording, you may get the opportunity to get in there. I don't know. You, you just give it a try. So anyway, um, with that being said, I would love to get uh, Mark and Tejas' uh, opinion on React Rally and, and what they think and how they're, what they're excited about for, for that coming up. So I'd, I'd attended React Rally, I think maybe maybe three times, like 17, 18, 19, um, you know, prior to the pandemic. And it was it's a wonderful conference. Um, definitely one of my favorites that I'd gone to before. And I was really sad when, you know, you know had to put, they had to put it on pause for a couple of years. Um, you know, the, the atmosphere, the organization, um, like every, every conference ends up having, having its own unique vibe and its combination of how it's organized and who's there. And then like some intentional factors about how it's being run. And like, I mean, one of the things I appreciated was, you know, they, they gave us like couple hour long lunch breaks sent us off with you know a bit of cash and it's like yeah go go find restaurants nearby go go out with a bunch of people take time to sit down and talk and get to know folks you know being being very intentional about trying to make it more of like a community hallway track kind of feel that's awesome so that was that was definitely something i appreciated yeah i've never been to uh react rally Ever before. It's my first time. Um, but exactly what Mark said. I keep hearing this from everybody. And I keep hearing that it's got the vibe that's like playful and whimsical and just fun. Um, and, and I've yet to experience it, but I'll, I'll report back uh, when, when I do. I'm just really excited. Unfortunately, I won't be there for the entire thing, I don't think. Um, I've got some business um, in Europe shortly after. But yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes. And of course, you know, of course, hang out with what I call, and I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, but hang out with um, what I call the traveling circus. And this is just people you just see like in different countries over and over again, just friends who I absolutely adore, people like Mark and Kent and others. So yeah, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, one of one of my favorite conferences I've ever attended, it was because of the hallway track. Um, and they do exactly what you described, which is they really emphasize that. So that's great to hear. That's a real value add. It's really where, you know, if people come on wanting to break into the industry or for their career, this is how you build relationships that will eventually become friendships, which may eventually lead to other things in your career, um, as well as gain insights. Um, that's, that's good to hear that they're emphasizing that instead of just talks. Um, mm -hmm. but speaking of talks, uh, you guys are both speakers. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, your your pitches for them. I got the description. Uh, we'll start with Tejas. Yours is, you know, why everybody needs to use a framework. Do you want to, you know, talk us through the your talk? Sure. Give a I preview. Mean, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I like mean, some the, sneak, the... sneaky bits. <laughs> <laughs> sneaky bits. Or a trailer, you know, function. like in a world where dominated by frameworks. Yeah, it's. I mean, it just go, dives into the um, the expectation nowadays for React applications to start with a framework, Next.js, Remix, Gatsby, something like that. Um, when before we used to just start with React. Literally, I remember npm install React and then wire up the script tags and myself. And um, the general advice, including from the people who make React, right? From people like Andrew Clark at Vercel, for example, will be like, no, no. If you're if you're doing React use a framework if you if you um if you have an existing app then incrementally adopt a framework or if you are starting a new app then just npm install next or or npm install remix or just start there and cool i see that but i feel like a lot of people coming to react earlier going okay but why tell me more i'm an engineer i'm hungry for the details i want to understand why um and how but the how i feel like you can kind of Google and look through GitHub and find there's plenty of documentation for how. But I personally, and, and most of the people I've spoken to are more interested in the why. Why is that? Um, and the short answer is because frameworks handle a lot of things out of the box that we just, one, um, take a lot of time to handle. But also if we do handle them, you know, we, we, we there's a ton of corner cases that we just don't see. This is kind of why people say don't roll your own crypto. Um, very similar to don't roll your own framework because you'll also probably end up implementing what frameworks do, but you'll probably do it worse. Um, and in the time that it took you to do that, um, you could do a bunch of other things, including focus on your actual product, right? Um, so we'll talk through specifically how frameworks handle things like server rendering, um, file system-based routing, data fetching, et cetera. Um, we'll, we'll do that by really just building a bunch of crap with, with you know, not thought through code because the focus is not so much syntax but mechanism what does it save us from and how in a very crude way in a top contour way does it save us from this and the goal is i mean it's i think it's 25 to 30 minutes so we'll come away with a, a bare bones understanding of that um and ideally we understand the why behind the sentiment i like the use of live code examples so it's not just an abstract principle, but you're going to give people a visceral feel. Like that's where you really know the concept is when you're like, oh yeah, I've been, I've seen getting burned by that. Um, right. And also yeah. through it, we'll understand, for example, why if you use um, the Next.js pages directory, there's this convention and expectation by Next.js that your pages are default exports. Why is that? Why, why can't I have named exports as pages, right? So we, we look at all of this just by, just by pulling at the strings and trying to um, write our own in a, very, in a very crude way. Are you going to compare frameworks, by the way, or are you going to focus primarily on examples from Next? Yeah, I don't, I don't buy very much into the comparison train, mainly because of the vitriol on this platform. Um, there's people saying Solid's great, React is shit, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I don't compare. I try to avoid comparisons as much as possible. Um, and if I do end up doing some comparison, it will just be numbers and no conjecture. But no, I'm not going to compare frameworks in this talk. Okay. I think we had somebody come up. Um, you know, we try to run a JavaScript jam as as an open mic and as with audience participation as much as possible. So uh, it looks like we had somebody come up. Did they want to ask you a question? Try this one. Uh, 
uh, a beta Shukar. Uh, Abda Shukar? <laughs> uh, Hello. Guys. Feel free to introduce yourself. I hope all of you are hearing me. I'm not quite good at public speaking. Um, firstly, if I introduce myself, I'm software developer. Um, I usually use Negacy.js. That's why I came to this space. I created a Negacy.js course. And I'm interested in participating in this um, event, this space. Um, but currently, I didn't have any question. Well, all right. Well, thanks for joining. If you want to pop in, you do have a question at any point. Welcome, welcome to to participate for sure. Okay, um, Mark, do you want to tell us about uh, your guide to React rendering behavior? Give us a summary of that one. Sure. Um, so there's, I guess, sort of a bit of backstory leading up to this one. So I, I started learning React myself in the summer of 2015. And as I was doing, like, you know, reading blog posts in the docs, I, I came across the, the Reactiflux chat channels, uh, which were technically originally on Slack and then moved over to Discord where they are today. And I spent the second half of 2015 just, like, initially just, like, lurking and reading and trying to follow along with other people's questions and discussions. And the way I really got involved with React was learning about React from people's questions and then eventually getting to the point where I, I knew the answers to a lot of questions and could re recite those back and help other people even before I'd gotten around to writing my own first real React program, which didn't happen until like December that year. And so, you know, ever since then, I've, I've stayed pretty engaged answering questions about React and Redux um, on you know Discord, Stack Overflow, Reddit, issues, wherever, um, and so I've I've always had a pretty good sense of like what kinds of problems are people running into and what things are confusing them. You know, I, I remember seeing you know all kinds of questions about the JavaScript this keyword while we while we're all still using class components, and then eventually when hooks came out, questions about the this keyword stopped, and instead we have fun questions about. Um, stale closures and why doesn't my state update on the next line after I call set state and fun stuff like that. And what I noticed over the years was that there were a lot of confusion. There was a lot of confusion about like literally just how does React actually render? Like what what does the word rendering mean? What is the process? Um, what is the difference between my component returning some JSX and React actually applying changes to the DOM. Um, when does React batch renders together? Why does it matter that I do immutable updates? And all this information is available online, but it's often like scattered in different places. And even within the old React docs, there was no like single page that went through a lot of the stuff. So a couple of years ago, I sat down and I wrote a very extensive blog post. I think it started off at about 6,000 words, and I've extended it to close to 12,000 words at this point, called A Mostly Complete Guide to React Rendering Behavior. And that post is by far the most viewed 
and read and appreciated blog posts that I've written. And so this talk is basically a very, very abbreviated and summarized version of that blog post that tries to go over a lot of the, the key concepts behind rendering and what React is actually doing inside. Great, thank you. Um, so a couple of questions on that. I think maybe we should clarify when you're talking about React rendering, you know, you're mostly going to be talking about client-side rendering and reconciliation, like rendering in the browser, as opposed to there's a bunch of, like I've seen talks saying a guide to React rendering patterns, and they're talking about ISG versus SSR. Are you covering that full spectrum or just client -side? No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, I'm not talking about, anything server side i'm not talking about anything server components this is this is strictly like the the client side behavior okay great um what do you think is the biggest like area of misunderstanding that especially people are coming to react for and, and don't really understand about vdom and the reconciliation process and rendering and or maybe what is an example of where not understanding the rendering behavior is going to get you into trouble, like extra updates, things like that. We're, we're good gotchas that what, like motivate for folks. Like if you don't understand this, you're going to paint yourself into the corner. Or you're going to run over this speed bump. Mm. So one of the most common misunderstandings I've seen over the years is a lot of people seem to assume that, you know, if you have parent component renders child component, that the child component will only re-render if the parent happens to pass down different props than last time. And that's not the case. React will, in, in fact, React's default behavior is that when a parent component renders, React will then try to re-render the child regardless of what props the, the parent passed down, whether they're the same or different or no props at all, it's just the parent rendered, therefore the child renders, therefore the grandchild renders, and it just recurses all the way down the component tree. And so in a basic standard React application, if you call set state in your top level app component, React will actually recurse through the entire component tree and ask every single component in the tree, what do you want the UI to look like now? And it just asks everybody, unless you actively do work to change the, the default behavior. And like a lot of people don't realize that's how React actually works out of the box. Yeah, that's a, that's a good gotcha. Um, and then do you feel like the the tools around you know debugging and understanding this are getting better over the years certainly from the beginning of, of react um that's a that's a very interesting question especially given yeah. the company that i work for um so one of the things i loved about react from the beginning is that the react dev tools browser extension exists i mean i'd, I'd worked with a couple other frameworks like backbone and there were there were some very very limited yeah very limited um, <laughs> dev tools for those but the fact that the React dev tools exist that you can view the component tree that you can look at you know props and state and hooks and you know have it 
you know, do the little flashing rectangles when components re-render and stuff uh, has always been one of the huge advantages of React for me. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, the, the person who wrote a lot of the current React DevTools implementation, uh, Brian Vaughn, uh, left the React core team a year and a half ago and joined Replay and has been my teammate at Replay for the last year and a half. Um, there's actually been a very limited amount of official Facebook meta paid work hours going into the React DevTools in the last year and a half. And I think they actually just laid off one of the people who had been doing that. So like in, in that sense, the React DevTools have not necessarily been getting better mm. lately because they, they literally are not putting engineering hours into improving them. Um, on the flip side, uh, my, you know, I said earlier at Replay, we're building a time-traveling debugger for JavaScript, and because it records the whole browser, you can record anything, no matter what framework or vanilla JS it's written in. But we use React in our own product. We care about React developers as a target market, and so we've actually built a number of specific integrations into Replay's time-traveling debugger that let you do things with React, one is integrating that same React DevTools component tree as a piece in our time-traveling debugger so that you can see what the component looked like at different points in time in a recording. And I have actually been playing around with some further proof-of-concept integrations over the last six months um, for things like being able to go from, like we know that the user clicked at a certain point in time to jumping to the line of code that handled that click event or even playing around with trying to do some time profiling based on the recording. So in a, in a weird way, my company is actually probably putting a little more effort into trying to build React-related debugging features than the actual React team is right now. Um, I actually saw someone tweet just a couple of days ago that they had built a little proof of concept sort of standalone dev tools for React server components and I haven't had a chance to go back and oh, look at wow. that in more detail. Um, but Brian and I had both noted that the fact that there is no official server components dev tools debugging experience seems like a pretty big oversight. Yeah, it definitely seems like a white space that, that needs to be filled. Um, and a huge, you know, another area for potential confusion on what server components are. Um, yeah, but just, if, I can, yeah. if I can chime in here a little yeah, bit about that, that I, server components are a work in progress. So it's not like there isn't dev tools for it. It's just they're a work in progress. So it'll <laughs> probably come. Um, it, everybody knows and everybody preaches and teaches that it's an incomplete thing. And by definition, that means you don't have dev tools yet. This is fine. This is not a, a, a big deal. Well, maybe this is an interesting tangent. Uh both of you guys, like, where do you guys fall on, you know, server components, good, bad, and what do you think the adoption curve is going to be look is going to look like? Is it going to be slow? Is it going to be fast? Hooks were remarkably fast, um, at least from my vantage point. I'm curious if you think we're going to see that with server components or not. Uh, personally, I don't think we're going to see that with server components, um, but that's because it's a bigger migration. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you instead of writing one component differently where instead of a class component you'd reach for a function 
Yep. Um, what you're doing is re-architecting your application. <laughs> you're you're starting from a server, and if you if you have a create React app that you kind of bootstrapped with either CRA or Vite, um, mm -hmm. just adding a server is not an easy task, especially not at scale. So yep. it's it's not going to be an easy migration. At least this is my I, I'm really hoping I'm wrong, um, but for that reason, I think it it is a bit of a steeper adoption curve, and so I I. I Personally, if you ask me, um, I feel it's probably more realistic that we'll see RSC be more of a normalized thing over time um, through new projects. But in terms of like incremental migration and adoption, kind of like we did class components to hooks component by component, you just can't do that um, component by component because it's more a, a bigger foundational change to the architecture of your application. Um, so I, and that's not to say it's bad. I just think it's a bit harder to migrate to. Um, but it definitely has its merits. I mean, you, the data fetching story is solved, right? Suspense for data fetching is here, and it's called React Server Performance. So I think there's this tremendous value, um, but this value will be a slow burn is, is kind of the way I see it. But I'm curious um, about Mark and the other speakers' take. Basically the same take, um, and I've actually had a number of discussions with folks on the React team over the last few months um, both in person at conferences and you know via and via some you know some chat channels, um, I am I am positive on server components as a concept. I think that they they have value and they can be potentially useful. Uh, I am rather pessimistic on the way they've been rolled out and the lack of documentation and migration story. You know, I fully acknowledge everything he just said with, you know, their work in progress and, you know, we, we can't expect to have everything right away, but my own personal complaints and the complaints that I have seen many, many people in the community express in various discussions is that it, it's horribly confusing for, you know, like some of the documentation on how to use them only exists within the next documentation site. There is nothing on the core React doc site about what they are, how to use them, how they fit in architecturally. Um, there's nothing about how to migrate an existing single page app to take advantage of server components. And lots and lots of people are upset that the React team just switched from recommending create React app to saying, well, use use a framework next to Remix, and well, well, I guess if you don't want to, you can use the, I guess, literally with the phrase, we can't stop you in the docs. Um, and that has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and a lot of folks aren't convinced that their scenarios would benefit from server components. So I think the technology has a lot of potential. I think the rollout and the marketing and the developer education has been, frankly, pretty poorly handled. They're right. trying to work towards fixing that, but it's a very delayed effort. Yeah, and I think part of that is, is, is I think actually a substantial part of that is the fact that what is and was a work in progress, uh, that is React Server Components, was somehow enveloped in a, a, a more wider 
more generally available release that is Next.js 13 app router. And so we have something that people are saying, yeah, Next.js 13 app router is production ready, um, but actually RSCs are not production ready and they're still a work in progress. So there's this dissonance between, oh, okay, well then what's Canary, what's not? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that 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 has a lot of fuel to this fire that I think, Mark, you're alluding to. Unfortunately, yeah. that's just one of the, the mistakes that we learned from. Um, but but yes, I, I also wanted to agree with that. And one other one other point to bounce off of that. Um, you know, so the React team has been doing you know a lot of development work, and you now have you know sort of this weird versioning split in React itself, where the last public release eighteen point two came out over a year ago. Next uses a can a special canary build if you're using the app router but there's no formal documentation for what any given canary version actually has. And so this has you know, resulted in weirdness where people, you know, have sometimes run into bugs and reported them to libraries like Redux toolkit and Apollo and said, you know, my app broke. And number one, we find out that, you know, okay, well you, you tried to put Redux, like a Redu- react Redux provider component in what actually turned out to be a server component in the app router, and you can't do that because context doesn't work, or you ran into a weird edge case with a canary build where technically you could declare a client component as async, but then it gets stuck in an infinite loop. And this has actually caused a lot of pain and frustration for us as library maintainers. And my co-maintainer, Wenz Weber, who works on both Redux Toolkit and Apollo, put up a, a very detailed blog post a few weeks ago where he's like, you know, we, we like the idea of server components, but this has caused a lot of problems for us as, you know, library maintainers in the ecosystem. Here's what we've experienced. Um, and we, we have a couple of ideas for both technical and documentation improvements. If anyone on the React team is interested, and we got a lot of people saying, okay, yeah, I see where you're coming from. And, you know, frankly, no one from the React team has ever really followed up on the issues we raised. Yeah, I mean, you there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and, you know, in some sense, it's interesting because it's not that, you know, Meta makes, you know, revenue directly from React. Um, and so it can be, I, I'm sure for those within the team, a little bit thankless. Um, you know, they're, they're certainly doing it for internal usage, which I think is what makes React such amazingly battle-tested a framework mm-hmm. because they're really careful about rolling it out. And they've been really good about, you know, saying it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like people are like, when, when do we get suspense? When do we get RSC? And they, they give it to us in, in bits and in pieces. And then people are like, how come it's not production ready? Right. Um, but it's, it's an interesting parable when I think about, uh, you know, what happened with Angular, where Angular seemed unassailable. And then, it, you know, they partially, one of the things that, that hit them was, was React coming out and coming with a simpler model, but also their own migration from what is now called AngularJS at the time, V1 to V2. And I do worry that there's a a narrative that's building, and this could fit into that narrative, like, oh, with hooks, oh, you know, the controversy about, you know, Next.js being the first to release React server components and were they playing favorites. And it's very easy for an inaccurate uh, narrative to build up. And this becomes yet part of the, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back where somebody's like, oh, this is just too complex. 
Um, and it's, maybe there's another it, thing that gets me to, to look at Svelte or something else. Yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. It, it's funny you say that because there was literally a blog post that, and it was titled, like, is React having an Angular 2 moment? And a, a couple Twitter threads on that topic. And some React team members got pretty angry over the comparisons. And you know, I think they're right in that, in one sense, the comparison is wrong. Because it's not like React is suddenly like totally backwards compatible. It's not like it's throwing all your knowledge out the window. On the other hand, this is certainly an, an entirely separate set of use cases and patterns and concepts that re- to remember that are adding a lot of complexity to our understanding of how you use React and how it fits into the existing React ecosystem. So in that respect, you know, it's, it, it is a big jump for people to make. Uh, we've got Tejas with his hand up, and then we have Jason and Bro Nifty, <laughs> some regulars who are right after you. Uh, it looks like we've got some people who want to chime in. Tejas, what were you going to say? Yeah, I just, first of all, I'm excited to find out how bro nifty sounds because I have no indication of anything about this human being. Um, <laughs> but, but, but second, um, I, about the Angular 2 moment, I, I feel like I would be remiss if I, if I didn't say this, which is React has the amount of momentum and adoption React has in the web dev ecosystem is so tremendous. It Angular is. JS never, Angular JS mm-hmm. never had that. Um, jQuery to some degree still has a majority, but if you look at, you know, things like SPAs, MPAs, and, and, and more of the you know, quote unquote modern, I don't like that terminology, but the modern web apps like react is everywhere. I mean, Hulu, Netflix, meta, Instagram, of course. Um, but like name any fortune 500 company and they probably use react. Apple uses Next.js, as does GitHub. Right. So, um, this level of investment and adoption, even if it does have an angular two moment. Uh, it's not going anywhere. I feel like React is is at the point where, you know, we all kind of hate on JavaScript and we're like, hey, look, um, 2.1 plus 3.1 is equal to some weird number. Or, or we'll do something like, hey, type of null is an object. How weird. Or, hey, look, 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 look at this one. Type of nan, type of not a number is a number. Oh, my God, JavaScript sucks. Like we say things like that, but then we still use it every day and earn tremendous amounts of money from it. So it's this like terrific thing that we sometimes talk nonsense about. But at the same time, it's it's actually a giant that supports all of our livelihoods. So I, I think React's in a similar place where I, I think it's beyond the point where it can be abandoned like AngularJS mm-hmm. was, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So that's a, that's a fair point. I'll, I'll push back slightly. So I'll agree and push back. I agree. They've got way more momentum. It's This is not like it's going to get toppled. I, I will say I, I do spend parts of my day job looking at the statistics for what frameworks are used on what sites. Um, and, you know, it, like you said, jQuery still has huge amount of staying power. Um, and there's still actually a bunch of, there are sites that use it that are fortune 500, but they may not use it universally across those sites. Um, so it's, your point is well taken though. Um, but sorry, uh, Jason, I think you were next and then, uh, can I, nifty. yeah, good. Yeah, 
can I, I just want to say real quick, I just want to thank everybody for being up here. This oh, has yeah, been an amazing conversation. Like, seriously, this has been really, really great. Like, <laughs> man, I'm seeing some faces in here I haven't seen in a minute, too. Like, Michael, Chan, what's up, brother? Um, yeah, so Lawrence, uh, yeah, appreciate everybody coming in here and, and uh, hanging out with us. Remember, this is uh, open mic, so feel free to request to come up as, as these uh, folks have, like Bro Nifty and Jason. They, they're some regulars here on every Wednesday. We do this at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And like I said, it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an advanced uh, developer. We love to hear from everybody. So please feel free to come up here, comment, fact, uh, solution, question, whatever. We want to hear it. Uh, it definitely uh, helps to encourage um, everybody here and, 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 and increase the value of what we're putting out. It's, it's a great time. So thank you so much. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to JavaScriptJam.com to our subscribe to our newsletter because then you'll know like things when when things conversations like this are happening um and, and it's, it's great so thank you so much appreciate it uh jason what's up man but yeah great great conversation i, I just want to try and give my my three cents on the is this an angular two moment or not and after living through that myself uh it doesn't seem that way because as far as i know you can still take the latest react and bootstrap a create react app and create a single page app that's completely client side rendered and use class based components as far as i know uh, or hooks uh, so unlike you know whereas angular 1 versus angular 2 was a complete ground up rewrite and you had to go do things a different way so you know, a lot of adoption was was missed, especially because at the time React was the up and comer. So it was like, well, do I rewrite my Angular app to re Angular two, or I do do I pick up the new cool kit on the block, which is React, and which is would probably be about the same amount of effort. So, so I I I don't see. I mean, other it's a great point. I mean, other than yeah, I mean, I understand the passions and I understand the points that people are making about the you know whether the you know, it's a work in progress. All that stuff is all completely valid, but it just it. it React, I think, ha at least so far in its history, has done a really good job of maintaining uh, nearly 100% backwards compatibility. Um, and wh whether that's happening with your favorite framework or the preferred method, of, you know, the new preferred method of building React apps is is a different story. But the you know you can always still build the React apps the way you want to. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I I don't see the parallels there. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing in my mind is like how much of an app is your web app versus how much is, you know, it's, it's the web app versus website debate, right? So mm -hmm. where with server rendered components, you're given a very clear path. If you're, if the thing you're building looks more like a website, now you have a really clear path to efficiently offload a whole bunch of computation that was being forced on these, on your browser back to the server so we're finally getting platform native ways of doing that in inside of react and and they're figuring out how to do that and next clearly has an incentive you know, Vercel clearly has an incentive because they're selling uh server you know, they're selling server rendering capacity uh they have an incentive to make sure that you have a really good way to do that and so if you're building an e-com site or a blog or anything that kind of looks or smells like that then this gives you a really good you know perfect framework you know should you be having a whole bunch of client-side state and a whole bunch of client-side rendering for a to display your products on the internet maybe probably not anyway so that you know so i think that's we're given another option 
for especially for like the Jamstack community or you know, where we're you know mainly talking about here is yeah you should probably do all your rendering on the server and ship HTML as much as possible um, and then have a really seamless and transparent way hopefully eventually to do JavaScript when you have to on the client so it makes a whole lot of sense for those use cases. The thing that I've kind of been struggling with, and, and, and it's great that we've got, you know, some, you know, the Redux, uh, we've got some representation from Redux here. It's like, so what about all the app people? You know, so you, you're thinking about inside of your enterprise environment, you're building maybe not publicly accessible apps. You're not using a rendering environment. You, you don't have server rendering capability built into your deployment platform because you're not using something like Vercel you've got to go now add that capability to your deployment stack. Whereas before you might have, if you're doing like a single page app, which is the right thing to do for the last 10 years, then you, you build your JavaScript and you put it on a CDN or your internal web server and you don't have a server rendering framework. So how do you, you know, so now you got to add that capability to your enterprise stack. So those are the kind, you know, so it's like, those are the sort of things that I'm dealing with because I'm more on the, enterprise app side of things on the, you know, clients, you know, the, uh, the client facing apps. So those are the things I deal with, but, but mm. that's kind of, yeah. that, that's where I'm kind of seeing the both sides of the debate. Uh, don't, yeah, maybe I wasn't clear. Like I actually like the technical idea of React Server Components. I was just commenting on its impact on adoption and certainly, you know, uh, Tejas and Mark had spoke exactly to what you're talking about. Like you need new infrastructure capabilities. Um, and that's going to slow down adoption. Uh, I think that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, Bro Nifty, uh, we Mark is very eager to hear your mellifluous voice. Yes, Ishan, thank you, Tejas, and you helped me with that because I wasn't sure I wasn't sure whether it was Tejas because I was in my own mind. I see that I see that J with with that spelling, and I just think in my mind because I, I studied Spanish for a while. I think that's that's how you pronounce that Tay. Tejas, but no, it is Tejas, and he he did a tutorial for uh, for everyone, helping us with the pronunciation. At one point, I, I remember seeing it on the internet somewhere where he was he was he was like, "It's J J J J Tejas." So, so I think I've got that. <laughs> okay, he's laughing, so I think I got it. All right, so yeah, my question actually, what triggered me uh, to come up here and just ask a question? And I think it really is a better, and I really, really, really very hardly. Hard, hard agree, strongly agree with Jason, what, what everything he was saying. And, and I was uh, speaking with um, our friend, the Module Federation guy who like created Module Federation about some of this related to uh, Vercel and stuff too. And their coupling is that in the more enterprise environments, it's harder. So if you're doing enterprise stuff, you want to split things out by concern. And like, you know, I know those are highly charged you know that's language but but yeah like if you put your your front end is your front end and then you've got all, all these different layers and api endpoints you're hitting and you might want to separate those things out and have like composable architecture that's that's like you know can put it together in a custom way and how, how you see fit rather than um having to conform to some uh you know third party um organization or library or framework or meta framework or you know host provider or whatever like it's i think simpler just to put it on a cdn and get that um speed and security from it this is unhackable and it's um 
obviously going to cost you a lot less money. So you have to, for security and speed, just for, yeah, you need a CDN. Um, but do you need all, do you also need all those API endpoints hooked in, which only really only work with next, next JS, um, really? Um, if you want to do in the API folder, you can make it work, but not without like a lot of extra effort. Anyways, that's as far as I want to go on with that. But um, yeah, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, what brought me up here was actually I think this is a better <clears throat> is a better forum than than the than the text on the the twit the tweets because uh, I personally learned one tool and that got me into like tech. I wasn't a tech person to begin with. And then I just did that one tool and then I worked my way out from there. And that was much simpler than trying to learn everything more generally and then work your way inward to something, I think. So somebody make a, made a point. They were saying like, you know what? I would argue that it was one of our friends. I forgot the name, but they said it was like one of these framework like Svelte or something like that. They said, learn, just learn Svelte and do that and then you can work your way out and i agree with that actually i think you should um or rea or react except, except i think react is much harder than svelte because it's not react is not a framework it's a it's a library so it would be more like say learn next.js i think for a new person svelte would be easier than next.js so i would say say i would say do svelte or or something like that um for uh, first maybe and then and then like and then work your way to react and if you want to do the angular for the enterprise patterns like yeah learn learn how angular works and then there's all these other ones with uh uh quick dev as ta i'm on tages page right now he says this is how you quick trigger quick dev and by the way i have to admit i have to uh confess that i haven't uh watched tages's um video on react server components i'm really dying to do that like next it's like up I'm so offended, bro. Why are you even? I'm here? sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's, but I know he has wonderful explanations. <laughs> I, I watched his first video, which was on something kind of similar. It was really like mind bending, eye opening. It was great. So that's all I had to say. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I will allow someone to say something here shortly. I just want to come in and chime in and say, hey, look, look, change us. Mark, I don't know if you guys have a hard stop at the hour here, but um, we can push this out a little bit further. Um, but I don't want you guys to feel like you have to say anything. You can uh, go if you need to, obviously. Um, but yeah, and then one thing else I want to say is if you're listening right now, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, please feel free to click on the people's faces up here that you felt like you've got value from. Okay. Because guess what? If you got value from them here, you're probably going to get value from them in other places. So click on them and follow them. Um, and of course, JavaScript jam wouldn't mind to follow too as well. So, uh, Tejas, what's up, man? Yeah, I just wanted to say I do have a hard stop, but I want to thank you all um, for having me. And really, this discussion has been such high quality and such value to me personally. And I have no doubt um, to the others here. Um, so so thank you. Also, before I go, um, I'm going to ask that you kick Bro Nifty from the channel because he hasn't watched my... I'm just joking. Um, but um, <laughs> no, it really, it, it's, been, it's, been, it's been such a, such a good such a good time. I appreciate all of you. Bro Nifty, I was joking. Um, it, it's fine. I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm glad I finally also know what your voice sounds like. Um, next, next, next step is learning your actual name. Um, but anyway, um, thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll meet up. We'll meet up. We'll, we'll, we'll do one of these times. Yeah. 
let's do that. All right. Thank you so much once again, everyone. And um, I wish you a great rest of your chat. Peace. Thanks for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. If you want to see Tejas in person, be sure to go to React Rally. Uh, go to reactrally.com. Uh, he's going to be speaking there um, along with Mark Erickson as well. Um, and that's why we have them up here today, actually, is for the React Rally. And React Rally, if you look in the Jumbotron, we call it up there at the top there, and you can kind of scroll left and right. You can see that they put in, and also in the comments of this, you can see they put in a 50% off for the first three people who use it. So be sure to jump on that. Um, I don't see that uh, discount that steep anywhere else. In fact, if you stick around to the end here, I do have another discount for you, but it is not uh, for the first three. It's a, actually a heavy decent discount for for anybody uh that uh listens to us here on javascript gm uh but yeah that's a that's a special one so if you don't have tickets yet to react rally go to reactrally.com use that uh, link there uh, and and you'll get 50 percent off for the first three people who use it so all right uh moving on thanks so much tejas we're gonna miss you brother um but yeah if you're listening to this recording we got so much more to come so let's do it yeah, I, so, I actually do uh, need to. I actually do need to wrap it up here in a minute and get back to work myself. Um, but I did have one more thought uh, stemming from that last discussion. Um, I've spent a lot of my my work on Redux thinking about documentation and tutorials. I, I rewrote our tutorials from scratch a couple of years ago um, to you know to feature the the newer Redux toolkit package that we'd put out and teach that as the standard preferred way to write Redux code. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking with Dan and some with Rachel as they were rewriting the React documentation and, you know, trying to provide some feedback on, you know, what was going in there. I mean, they, they were the ones doing the, doing the work. I was offering, you know, comments from the peanut gallery. Um, I will say that I have some kind of open questions at the moment about, like, what is the preferred way to learn React at this point? So on the one hand, we've got the fantastic new official React docs at react.dev. And you know, there, there's a wonderful tutorial sequence in there that walks you through the basics of thinking about components and rendering and mapping over lists and adding state and dealing with effects and you know, when do I actually need use effect and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's got it's it's wonderfully organized. It's got in-page sandboxes and little quiz-like examples, and that is wonderful. But I do feel like there's both a like at the moment like a missing step right after that tutorial, and I also don't yet know how learning server components is supposed to fit into that. So right now, someone could sit down and go through the new React Docs tutorial, and they would learn a lot. And it's really good information, but all of it is in page in the sandboxes there. And so then, like, I feel like someone's going to finish that, and they're going to ask, you know, okay, well, I've learned this information. What do I do now? And number one, at the moment, there's I don't think there is an explicit set of instructions that says, okay, here's how you go off and start a new React project. There's nothing that says you've learned how to write components depending on which framework or tool you use to start your first project. Like, here's where you literally start adding component files to that project's folder structure. And there's nothing that would even, like, you know, they recommend Next as 
you know, the obvious framework to use, there's nothing that links the tutorial to like, you know, how would I jump into a next project and start working on it? And next, in turn, if you create a new next project and just select yes to all the defaults, it basically sets you up with a server component app router driven project, unless you kind of like, you know, to say no to certain options or you, you specifically start putting files in the pages folder and server components simplify a few things because you no longer have to like, you know, fetch any use effect or, you know, add react query and react router to a project or something like that. But on the other hand, they bring in their own different set of technical constraints. So in that sense, I don't know what the right React learning path should be at this point. Like my mind partly says, like your first standalone try it for myself React project should probably still be a single page application. But you know, React create React app is deprecated. They V gets mentioned, but it's you know just barely a passing thing in the React docs. And if you go into next, there's all these additional next isms you have to learn. And if you start doing server components, that's sort of different than just traditional client side react by itself. So I don't have any answers. I again, have kind of like nudged the react team and said, Hey, I think these are some, some docs deficiencies that you really need to fill in. Um, but I, I think, all those things together make learning React more complicated than it used to be. Yeah, I think that's a good point. In some sense, I think the React community has, React has benefited from a community of people who are filling in those educational gaps historically. Mm -hmm. um, like if, you know, if you think back before the, I guess it's no longer beta, but the new React docs, um, we're just, you know, out of step with like hooks in certain cases for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, like we said, it's, it's not for them. It's, you know, they're, they don't make direct revenue off of it. Um, and I can imagine their resources are constrained and that's actually, you know, been a double-edged sword in that there's a gap, but it's also, I think, encouraged people to fill in those gaps in the community. But I totally hear what you're saying. It's like, how do you go from beginner to intermediate when you could suddenly go down a completely different hole and you're like, wait, I, I never learned any of this in the first set of tutorials. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really great point. Um, uh, Eric is another regular. Uh, Eric, do you have a question or you want to switch us to another topic? Uh, great to see you again. Yeah, hi. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to uh, chime in on, on this. Like the incentives, like always look at the incentives. Like uh facebook meta like they released this framework and they were using it internally and they released it to the rest of us and boy did we suck it up but they didn't give us any of their internal ways of doing things <clears throat> forms and they it uh and therefore like they also don't really owe us any good docs right it's like they release this and, hey, if you guys want to use it, I mean, in the same way that all open source, like the authors don't really owe you anything, but it's just, I wonder if there's a way to 
manage or uh, create an open source framework that incentivizes uh, good documentation for for yeah I don't know for for the consumers because React isn't it Angular wasn't it uh, maybe these other platforms maybe you know Vercel is like monetizing how you know gosh next year is cool hey the easiest way to deploy next is you know come to our come pay us but I don't know it's kind of an interesting uh, conundrum in the open source world of Yes, the docs suck, but who uh, who wants to make the docs not suck? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, there's and there, there's so many different gradients on the spectrum between you know, I, I have thrown up a repo and it's OSS licensed, and anyone can grab the code if they want to I have attempted to document this tool to I am actually trying to, in essence, market it and get other people to use it to I am trying to form a community around this. And, you know, certainly no one is obligated to, you know, put in the time and effort to make the thing usable. But in to a certain extent, once a thing reaches a certain size, there's sort of a counter obligation um the the and the bad analogy is like you know there's some fantasy authors out there who i will not name who have started series that are not finished and they have fans clamoring for the next book to come out and what's the implied contract between an author and their fans i mean the fans would be jerks if they demand the author put out the next book right now or else on the other hand you know, the author has sort of said, like, this is a series, it's not done yet, I intend to get the next books out, so there's a semi-implied obligation, and Good so metaphor. you could sort of make the parallel here that, you know, okay, if, you know, if you've published the framework, and you are, in essence, trying to get people to use it, you know, how, how much obligation does that in turn impose to put more time into making it usable and documented? Where your metaphor falls down is is I published the framework, and people are paying me for it. Yeah. But yeah, I get your, I get the idea that, hey, I've I've developed this narrative with a cliffhanger. Uh, should I continue or not? But yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason uh, came to the stage. Jason, do you want to chime in on this or something else? Jason. I think your thing might be glitching. Oh, is he speaking and I can't hear No, him? he's a listener, according to mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, he shows up as you, got okay, well, then... you got space. You got space, Deshaun. Yeah. Oh, I got spaced. Um, Welcome so... to spaces. <laughs> he's coming up right <laughs> now, if see... he did have something to say. Okay. While we're waiting for him to, oh, to, to come sorry, up. Sorry. There I, we go. Uh, Twitter client crashed, and when I rejoined, I was a listener again. Um, I didn't have any. I, I didn't have any pending questions or remarks. So, but I, I requested to come back to be a listener because you you, you, you were referencing to clear your good name. <laughs> uh, your your audio is also totally jacked. So um, yeah. Yeah. I'm on a 
my pride right now, so I was just trying to be a listener. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, got no worries. Cool. Okay. Enjoy your so, migraine. The maybe I'll you know maybe the the spicy take on this is I'll propose is maybe our bar for you know a good open source project you know has been inadvertently raised by by a lot of companies that were doing it with a financial incentive on VC backed you know expectations. Uh, so the thing way to say this is like great open source documentation was a zero interest rate phenomenon, right? Well, and by and by yeah. selfless jerks like Mark. <laughs> right? But I, I guess what I'm saying is like our expectations are, are high uh, because of, you know, the amount of effort that went into it. Uh, and in some cases it was incentivized. In some cases, well, in, in Mark's case, actually, it makes sense. Like, they're actually filling a white space that is being left open by the, the, the creators, in a sense, um, of the framework. But, I mean, that's, that's really what I'm getting at. I, it's the same thing you were saying earlier on incentives. It's like that famous uh, either Buffett or, or, I don't know, one of those management guys uh, was like, show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. Um, and, and now, um, you know, we've seen... Uh, in the current macroeconomic environment, there's less less you know funding for that potentially uh, in the market, and I think you know it'll be interesting to see what happens to, to the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. All right, on that note, I need to actually call it a day and try to get a little more actual productive stuff done here at the day job. So, thank you all for the thank time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, us. Mark. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, greatly appreciate mm -hmm. you, man. And uh, don't forget to follow Mark. And if you want to see him in person, live, he's going to be speaking at React Rally. And there's that discount there, 50% off for the first three people only. So if you haven't grabbed it yet, and if they're not gone yet, I have no idea. Uh, you might want to get it now if you're planning on trying to attend React Rally. Um, but um, we're sticking around here to the end, and I just want to go ahead and, and uh, I'll throw in the comments here later as soon as we jump off. There's another link that I have. So if you couldn't get the 50% off um, and you weren't able to, to jump on that train, then it's okay because I still got something for you. React Rally hooked us up, and they're letting us give you 35% off, period. So that's pretty crazy. How awesome is that? If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, try this 50% one. If it don't work, I got a 35% one for you later. All right. Okay. Uh, by the way, we should uh, remind folks what are the dates for React Rally and where it's located. Yeah, that's probably a great, great idea. Uh, I don't even think we mentioned it in the beginning, did we? <laughs> so it's, it's Thursday, August 17th and Friday, August 18th. Um, and there's lots of great speakers, including uh, Tejas, who was in here earlier, Mark, who just dropped out. Uh, so Tejas Kumar, Mark Erickson, uh, several names you guys probably know, Kent, Kent Dodds, um, uh, Shirley Wu. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing some random names out there that you all might know. Um, but, yeah, some exciting ones. Monica Powell, Ben Holmes, uh, you know, Astro in there. Good stuff, right? Lots of great people to hear from. Um, and it's in the beautiful city of Salt Lake City. So, yeah, lots of wonderful views on views if you want to go. All right. I'm sorry. How can you say Kent Dodds? 
Uh, sure. Kent, Kent C. C. Dodds. Dodds. I apologize. There you go. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Please. You know what? Jeez Louise. Don't don't swear like a Mormon. Come on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, he's the one who suggested that we <laughs> hook up and chat with Reactor Alley about doing some things with him. So, um, um, thank thank you, Kent, for uh, the connection with Reactor Alley. We're excited for it. Um, you know, we did a collaboration with actually Remix too, and and we had a great time there uh, doing that. So, onward and upward, you folks. Don't miss out on your chance to network with some great folks and and learn some things. Now I want to know what does the C stand for? Um, yeah, we'll I'll ask him in the next yeah. in the next in time the next we get one. him on the one here. Yeah, <laughs> it's for the rhyme. You have to say K C D, so it all goes together, right? It's just, you just add that just for, just to rhyme it. Yeah, so now he or needs C, to show up. C plus plus maybe. Uh huh. That's key. <laughs> no. C plus plus. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And now he needs to show up to KCDC so he can. Yeah. Okay. I, I knew somebody whose last name was Webb, and I was so jealous. Um, <laughs> so, uh, awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're coming towards the end, but, you know, maybe we'll cover this in, in a future episode. Uh, Anthony, in, in the great newsletter he puts together, and again, go to javascriptjam.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter. Yeah. Um, and Anthony does a story of the week in the JavaScript ecosystem. Um, and, you know, Anthony hosts another podcast. He's also in the core team of Redwood JS. So he's got his ear to the ground to a lot of stuff. Um, and it's definitely something I recommend subscribing to. Uh, I learned a thing or two myself. But one of the, the story of the week this week was, you know, is the Jamstack dead? Um, and uh, I'd love to get either Anthony or any of those speakers uh, on their take on, you know, uh, that story. And if you missed it, the news was basically that um, the the creators of the the term are are moving on. Um, I don't think there'll be a Jamstack conference. Um, the Jamstack Discord was was shut down, um, and there were a couple posts about this. Yeah, but uh, I talked to Brian Douglas. Yeah. His take was that he may even rebrand Jamstack Radio, so maybe that FS Jam will be the sole standing Jamstack left. I I will. It will be all mine. <laughs> I'll be Mr. Jamstack. <laughs> Maybe you can get them to sell you the trademark. Uh, I'll give you ten dollars. So... <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, do you want to? Oh, I I think I probably described. Do you have anything to add for context, and then we'll see if anybody has any comments. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is probably a larger discussion than we can have right now. It is. But I think the the there's two there's two opposing viewpoints. One is that. The term is dead because Jamstack was not a thing that we should have been doing in the first place. And the other one is the term is dead because we need to move beyond the term because Jamstack is just how everyone does everything now. So the consensus seems to be the term is dead. Like, that's like the one big takeaway. But whether the approach is dead or not is still an ongoing conversation that will probably be an ongoing conversation for many, many years to come. Yeah, and I'll... Sure. Oh, go ahead. I, I wasn't going to say anything more important than you. I, I was don't know just, about uh, that. Go ahead. All right. I, I was I, I was just going to say maybe it's just. You. I'm sorry, Aisha. I, I I apologize for talking over you. Uh, <laughs> I was just real, real quick, just real quick. Uh, uh, maybe it's CDN and bring your own APIs now. Yeah, that's the thing. Like there was a term because yeah. describing it sounds clunky. <laughs> so it's like, what's the new term going to be? Is the question for me. 
It, it's funny you say, you know, CDN and bring your own APIs. I, I gave a talk, which is also in the newsletter, actually, like two years ago. And it was originally titled Jamstack Identity Crisis. Like, it was clear there was a, uh, an issue brewing here. And we, you know, uh, when Brian and I talked, he's like, there's some negative pushback on it. I think we should rename it to evolution. And uh, I think the old URL, if you look at the URL, even though the title might be evolution, the URL of it, I think, still says identity crisis, um, at least on CFE.dev. And uh, it does feel like it was, it was brewing. And I actually gave a very similar definition to what you gave, which is, you know, bring your own CDN and APIs. It was slightly different than that, but basically that a lot of it rested on the edge or, or CDN technologies, which are, you know, uh, clearly growing in importance in, in the community. Um, there's another uh, JavaScript Jam uh, episode we did, which you can find on our, if you go to the podcast. I'll put that on the, the Jumbotron. We yeah, we had, we had a bunch of people debating what is Jamstack. And that was yeah. about two years ago, the same time. Um, and we had, you know, Brian Rinaldi, who's the editor of Jamstack. We had um, Jeff Escalante, who's kind Jeff of, Escalante. You know, who basically is, is the other side of what, you know, Anthony said, the, the two viewpoints. And it was just interesting to listen to um, and reflect on given, given, you know, this week's news. Um, and so I actually went back and rewatched it. And um, I'll say this, Jeff has been remarkably consistent. Um, that's true <laughs> in his in his position um I, I would describe his position as more that it it lacked technical meaning um and uh like you said anthony i think there's a lot to say here i've been reflecting myself on it um at the time my statement was very much that uh, and i i said this which is it's going to be like html5 um it'll it'll it's a way to separate the past from the the present and eventually it'll kind of wither away and it will both win and lose. Um, and it seems like that is what's come to pass. I liked the flat screen TV analogy. It was like everybody was all about flat screen TVs and everybody talked about them and it was the thing. And then nobody talks about flat screen TVs anymore. But the they, they just, yeah, everybody they has thing, yeah. flat screens in their homes everywhere. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and real quick, just, on the CFE.dev, it just made me think of something when you brought that up, Ishan. Um, someone in the audience here, Nick, Nicky T, Nick Taylor, he has a new show, a talk show on CFE.dev, like one of the talk shows there, one of the four. And it's uh, Two Full, Two Stack. The best name ever. I absolutely love yeah. that name. <laughs> <laughs> too, too Fast, Too Furious, right? Two Full, Two, two Stack. I love it. So yeah, be sure to check him out on there. I can't remember the dates he's doing that, but um, let's see if I click on it, probably tell me. But he's got one coming up August 24th. So WT, WTF, what's the form is next on August 24th with two full, two stack with Nikki T. So check it out. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go back to my loud, noisy restaurant. So um, I'm going to sign out here. Awesome. All right. Anybody have anything to say about what we just brought up and if not it's okay we can continue this conversation next week i'm sure there'll still be lots of talks going on about it so. yeah maybe we can get the old gang back together from the from the debate session and Ooh, that's uh, interesting we a, uh, although we do two. have two guests next year or next year next, next week, week as well uh, for yes, we do after that maybe yeah after that probably yes so 
It'll be good. It'll be good. And so be sure to join us next week as well. Like I said, though, earlier, um, if you got value from anybody up here on stage, click on their name, follow them, because you're probably going to get value from them in other places. Uh, give JavaScript Jam a follow. Go to JavaScriptJam.com. Sign up for that newsletter. We were just talking about all the meaty bits in there, that uh, the spicy takes that Anthony puts together in there. You know, the latest in the web devs, for sure. Um, check it out. That sounds like a great uh, newsletter. The latest in the web devs. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Terrible title. Um, anyway, thank you all so much for showing up. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Um, and uh, come join us next week. And we will be chatting it up with David Korshid. I can't, I don't even know if I pronounce that right, but, um, and uh, Shirley Wu. So two awesome speakers uh, from React Rally, and we're going to be having similar conversations we had today, but also much more. So be sure to join us same time, same place next week, Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to have a little conversation. And if you want to ask them questions and stuff, you know, show up so you can do that. It'll be fun. Um, but with that being said, I think that's the end, folks. That's that's all she wrote. Or he or we. Yes, we did it. We love y'all. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Thank y'all. We love you guys. You've been great. See you in the next one. Peace.